Welcome to the Queer Arabs Podcast. This is Alia. This is another Salon episode. I'm very excited about it. You might remember previous Salon Al-Mahjar episode from the Salons number six and seven. This is Salon eight. I'm going to read the description. Salon Al-Mahjar is an open mic for immigrant, queer, trans, and allied artists, actors, activists, writers, storytellers, dancers, singers, musicians, poets, feminists, thinkers, teachers, and historians from Central and West Asia and North Africa. We gather to celebrate each other's voices, exchange ideas, engage in each other's passions, counteract censorship, promote and support each other, give and receive constructive feedback, and challenge what may be considered inappropriate or aib or forbidden, haram. At Salon 8, we honor Jewish artists who create culture in, cent- in Central and West Asia, North Africa, and in diaspora. We shall uplift Jewish voices and allies who investigate shared histories. How did Jewish artists create culture in these regions and in diaspora? How did the cultures around them shape their Jewishness? Please join us for a celebration of works in progress, food, tea, and conversation. This salon was curated by Hannah Goldman and Sivan Batat. And also the art that you'll see that goes along with this episode is by the incredible calligraphy artist Ruben Shimnov. Enjoy the episode. This piece is Hannah Goldman. And throughout this piece, Hannah was moving through the motions of making mamul. Step one, prepare two large bowls, one for the dough, one for the filling. Step two, pour two cups of flour into a large bowl. Lift the flour. Feel the flour release from compact and heavy to light puffing through the air in short bursts. See the flour get all over the kitchen, the stove, the sink, and all the crevices. Your kitchen's a mess. Know that from this moment on, you relinquish all control. It's in the hands of the ancestors. Step three, combine the rest of the dry ingredients, salt, sugar, cardamom. The smell of cardamom should invigorate you, comfort you, remind you of home, a home you know and a home you never knew. Take a deep inhale, exhale. You got this. Step four, soften chunks of butter into a hot skit. Slough it into the dough. Plunge your hands into the mixture. Knead until the chunks of butter and powder become one. Add boiling water when it feels like it will never come together. Relax as the dough softens. Pour in a tablespoon of vanilla and two tablespoons of rose water. Inhale the scent. Soothing. Somehow rose water makes everything okay. Step five. Measure a cup of pitted dates. Step six. Place a few of the dates in a food processor. Add half a teaspoon of cinnamon and half a teaspoon of Ceylon cinnamon. Relish the victory of having Ceylon cinnamon in your kitchen. I sent you a Harosa recipe with Ceylon cinnamon on WhatsApp a few weeks ago, and for years you couldn't find it. But last week, there it was, in your local Brooklyn grocery store. Bezalat Hashem. Give thanks for small miracles. Step 7. Bring half an orange's worth of zest into the processor. Blend. Keep adding dates and blending until it all becomes a smooth, sweet paste. Take a taste for yourself. Mmm, it lingers on your tongue. Step eight. Scrape the paste into a large bowl, ready to meet its fate with the scented dough. Step nine. Pluck chunks of dough and roll into a ball. 
Roll the ball into the size of a golf ball. Golf ball? Is that big enough? When's the last time you went to mini golf? Safta never went golfing. It's fine. Hit the ungolf ball size ball with the heel of your hand to flatten. And now Hannah's passing around Mamul. This land acknowledgement is taken from the FTP3 operations manual. So it's a tradition here that we do um, a land acknowledgement. Um, I'd like to leave it to Sam Kelly, who graciously um, has been a great ally to this space, um, has hosted um, salons um, at our house, has made um, amazing food for us and always really comes through and uh, will continue to be being here, so um, I'd like to let you do the land acknowledgement, so thank you so much. I appreciate it. You're amazing. Hi, everybody. Um, so I'm going to read something from the J31 manual um, that the organizers put together. Was anybody at the J31 actions? Um, re recent uh, great organizing around um, cops in the uh, subway system, among other things. Um, so I'm just going to read the acknowledgement that they created. We begin by acknowledging that we are standing on the homeland of the Lenape, which is and always has been a place of indigenous movement. Our actions at their most fundamental level stand in solidarity with the Lenape and all indigenous peoples here and beyond, whose land was stolen to create settler states and who continue to live under siege, surveillance, and colonial structural violence on their own occupied land. We stand with our relations advancing indigenous resurgence and decolonization in the face of colonial oppression. We stand in support of the return of their lands. This acknowledgement is a call to commit and to take on the responsibility to dismantle the ongoing effects of settler colonialism. This is where, together, we must begin and persist. So I'm delighted to introduce our next artist who's sharing some work. Ora Batashvili is a community organizer, an artist, and a medical student. She is the co-founder of the JFRAJ Mizrahi and Sephardi Caucus, <laughs> of which we are well represented tonight. <laughs> the first in her family to be born in the US and grew up between cultures in her grandparents' home in Rigo Park, Queens. Hi. Um, it's really special to be here. Um, before I start, I want to say a little bit about the space uh, in front of you and the materials that are in it. Um, so over here uh, are three pieces of paper. Um, I am a handmade paper maker. It's one of my parts of my life. Um, and after uh, my uh, grandparents pa passed away, I was packing up their home and uh, kept blankets, towels, pillowcases, sort of was trying to figure out how to process grief and, um, and loss and, and, and memory, and uh, I turned a lot of that into paper. Um, so these three kind of have um, this duality of being paper made from these mundane things and then sort of sewn into them are these sort of more sentimental objects like jewelry, um, photos, clippings from newspapers. Um, so 
just a little bit. And then there's, there are some other sort of ritual objects um, and re religious ritual objects specifically. Um, and I think that's it. And before we start, so there's gonna be a visual projection component with audio. And I wanna invite someone who feels curious to be here with me, to sit with me and have tea and have a conversation with me as part of this piece. Um, yeah. All right. Um, so the first thing, we're going to listen to audio, uh, like a 30-second clip, and then um, I'll make you tea in the meantime if you'd like some, and then we'll talk. Sound good? Okay. <laughs> So, how are you? I want to ask you if everything is okay, if you need something. Okay, call me if you, you never have time for me. Okay, call me if you won't talk with me. Okay, bye. Wait, so how does he know each other? He, he knew our grandfather. Right, how? So, has some of this plays, um, I wanted to ask if there is one of these three that you're curious about interacting with, with me. In talking to Ora afterwards, I found out that the music is is by Ora. Ora wrote the piece, and also the footage that was playing in the video um, during this piece was also taken by Ora um, while with family in Georgia. And this next piece is presented by Sivan Batat, who is one of the, one of the curators. What I want to share today, I, um, I've had like certain stories that have lived in family and in my body uh, for my whole life. And as an artist, I'm only starting to have the bravery to start figuring out how to tell them. Um, so this is just like some small explorations um, of how I want to tell this story. That is a part of my life. I'm just holding these photos for just time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. 
I keep having this recurring dream. In it, I'm sitting at a kitchen table. My grandmother's pen traces the shapes and I copy. She reads the words and I repeat. She kisses my forehead when I get it right. Meanwhile, people knock on the door with various requests. I diligently copy each line over and over with my pen as she answers the line at the door. I listen to her graceful voice, scooping over words, catching ones here and there, applauding myself for understanding shoo and pinti and shukam, <laughs> but desperate to understand the words in between. She answers each woman with patience, but each time she returns to our lesson. She goes over the lines I've copied, reads them aloud. I repeat, she corrects my accent. I repeat, she kisses my forehead. We sit for hours this way. Then, chalas, and hands me a date stuffed with a walnut and a bowl of peanuts is in. She passed when I was five years old. I came across big note cards in her Arabic script years ago in my parents' basement. Oh, those are the flashcards Amy used to teach you Arabic with. She was firm, her only granddaughter would speak Arabic. We were the only one that she taught. Nobody continued to flash the note cards in her beautiful script for me after that. The sound of the ayin faded from my throat. I remember her smell, but I don't remember her lessons. I remember her hands, but not quite her voice. Does anyone here know the Arabic alphabet? Would you be willing to come up and write it on these papers for me? I can help. Maybe two people? Yeah? One, someone else? Yeah, you want to come up? There's two papers. And next we have Michael Zalta's play, Who the Fuck is Ahmed? And here's an excerpt of one of the scenes that was presented. You are a plumbing paleontologist with a degree in anthropology? Ah. 
well, I also study poetry, and I'm working on my next ethnographic monograph examining the study of astrophysics in the West Bank as a means for Palestinians to produce a radical extraterrestrial poetics of liberation. <laughs> I must say I find a jack of many trades way sexier than a master of none. <laughs> what do you do? Oh, well, you know, nothing at the moment. I just moved here, so I'm sort of trying to settle in and produce life, I guess. Produce life. I mean, I'm pregnant. I know, but it's just the way you phrase it. Produce life. Sounds so powerful. What can I say? That's me. Powerful. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I assume you're Arab? Palestinian? Guilty. What's your name? Ahmed. <laughs> Ahmed al Wadi. Ahmed of the village. Which village, you ask, doesn't really matter. None of the ancestors that were specified could be from any one of them, I guess. Because that's Palestine for you. A disjointed yet continuous landscape of endless sorrows. I'm part of the movement, you know. What movement? The movement for a free Palestine. Could have fooled me. Hey! <laughs> Why? Um, uh, maybe because you're a rich new Ole who just moved into a high-rise apartment in Haifa. I'm not rich. I came here to resist from the inside. <laughs> <laughs> you're cute. Fine. And my husband got a way higher-paying job than he did in New York. New York, of course. But I'm Arab American. My parent, my ancestors are from Syria. Oh, well, we thought of Sahara. But I don't. You <laughs> 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 think so? <laughs> you know, I don't need to validate myself through you. I never said you did. But maybe you can teach me. Trust me, there are more worthy things for you to know than our uncivilized dialect. Like what? Like the history of our rocks. Oh, God. Or, or the nature of our resistance. That sounds more like it. Have a taste. What? Gesturing to the rubble on the ground. Taste this bitter land that has borne witness <laughs> to our age-long suffering. No. On all fours, my dear. I'm not going to put that in my mouth. All right, well, clearly you're not committed enough to the movement. I'm not poisoning my child by consuming your dirt? Oof, okay, lady, never mind. He goes back to the kitchen sink. No, wait. What? Are you like a liberation fighter? I'm making you want me to be. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Like, did you march at the Great March of Return or not? <laughs> listen, listen, walk me, walk me. The state wants me to mine for bricks. I'm your mason. Your landlord wants me to clean his sewage back up. I'm your plumber. You've got a raging pregnancy libido and a sexually incapacitated husband, apparently. <laughs> I'm your ghostly sex god. He drops beneath the sink again. Excuse me? It was a joke. It wasn't funny. Life's not funny, have you? <laughs> it never hurts to have a laugh sometimes. He cracks himself up, then goes into his toolbox and pulls out what looks like rotting meat. What the fuck is that? It's my brother's arm. What? <laughs> yep. Hey, he lost it in uh, Operation Cast Lead. Kept it with me so he could have a proper burial, you know, with all of his limbs in the casket. When the rest of his body dies, of course. 
And here's his other arm. <laughs> and, and his right leg. Do you harvest all of your brother's lost limbs? We must sanctify the limbs of our martyrs. It's not I who will. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, and, and this belongs to his friend who was there with him at the march of return. Little tiny chip of his spine. Shot in the back from an exploding bullet, and now he's chair-bound for life. I'm sorry, but could you please put that stuff away? Why does it creep you? Next is musician Sophia, singer, musician, songwriter, aka Flower Punk. You've heard from Sophia before. I was absolutely blown away. I'm excited to share what I have composed over the last like year or so. Um, so yeah. Woo! say like never stop changing or something like that but it's too late and it doesn't fit with the so I'm just gonna keep it the way it is what should I do next hmm. okay I haven't actually showed very many people this song yet because I just finished it um, but yeah oh and by the way uh, if all goes well I'm gonna be recording everything I'm performing tonight in like two weeks in like a week and a half um, and putting it up uh, so yeah everyone's always like where can I find your music? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> so it's going to be up.
itself up at both ends. We're trying to change the world, but it won't happen overnight. You gotta give yourself some time. You gotta give yourself some time. You gotta give yourself some time. Next, we have Arif. This is uh, from Yaakov Beton, um, and uh, he's a poet and writer um, that uh, lives in the Galil area in Israel, and he's a dear, um, good friend of mine, and um, I told him I was going to be here and um, that I would um, want to read something of his. And um, he said, sure, just pick it out. And he also said, and I asked, how's it going? How are you, uh, how are you doing? And he said, um, he sent me a photo of his that a friend has took. He doesn't really take selfies or on social media at all. And he uh, says, no one sits next to me on the train. And then he sent the photo. And he, he looks literally <laughs> like a homeless. Like he grew up all his white uh, Rasta hair. And he's like with these shorts. And nothing works. Um, so he's a dear friend. And I'm absolutely incredibly indebted to him and in love with his uh, writing always. So I'm going to read that. And then there's another thing. It's, it's in Hebrew, because um, at a previous conversation he said that he doesn't think his work could be translated. So you'd have to bear with me. ששארוקאניומדניתמחלמשקופחדרלואצלפתהפחדתימהגרסהשחורהשלווידמויותאורהייתהכמוניפקחהלימסעדהמרוטשימהיכנשיפגוארבהמרפקב הדהדמי תוכה צו הדומם הראשון. ברגע הבנתי את תולדות המחנק והחול. משכתי לאט בזרע לקה את ארבע רגלי העד. שהרגעתיה שחורה ונושמת הייתה מלחיתה עד התקדשתה ונעשתה לי משכן ארץ עתידי. עוד לא יכבה נר ואינכח כבר חלומה רקמה על עיניי הפתוחות לסדום. בסכר נבחש בדום הלב המאביס את מאייך הדקים. אני אור רועד ומערבב, סירי כבד, ברזל יצוק ילדות. you know, soon after um, Trump was inaugurated. And I've been like revisiting a lot of my poetry from that spring, because a lot of it feels like sort of messages that I wrote to myself now. Um, and so I'm, I'm very grateful to be in this space and get to share this with all of you. So this is called A Poem for Tubishvat. Tubishvat saders make a lot of compost. The morning, read noon. After we feast on philosophy and fruits, I push out the cellar door with bags and pots of whiny rinds and pits and peels and find a lumpy blanket of perfect patent snow, unseasonable for schwat in spot, 
but much missed this 21st century New York February. As I dump the lime clear key foods bags heaped with kibbutz, I note some green peeking out from the ground like shy heads of hair, collards and kale a roommate planted before presciently emigrating. I left them for dead last fall, forever ago, when, finding my hands infested, I jested, who wants some kale with their bugs? But now here they are again, even in the midst of everything, even packed in snow, fruct this, they say, and grow. And so I make more footprints in the snow and rip a leaf wary like a child fooled once, and it is crisp but giving all the sweeter for the frost and still quenchingly alkaline after a night of droops and palms. I pick the ones that are green and long as my hands, nursing the metaphor between my molars and mull. Tonight's another potluck, and I will eat these brassy leaves with friends and toast too long with them to winters and sweetness and cruciferous resilience, and bring some fridge-aged sangria with me too, and we will relish all the parts of plants with all the parts of our bodies, and we will laugh through years of snow or drought and save our joy like camels, and we will mark the days on all our calendars and count at night the ways we know to drink too much and cry and fall and spring back up and laugh and grow. Thank you. I'm talking to someone else who was in attendance of this event we just finished. Um, can you introduce yourself? Yes, uh, I'm Gav Meiri. I am a Jewish Mizrahi uh, student in Queens College at the moment. And what did this event mean to you? Honestly, it meant a lot of different and sometimes conflicting things. It was comforting and made me question things and it really put me at ease and it also really made me just curious and it was an intersection of a lot of really amazing feelings. Do you want to describe any of that? Uh, Those feelings? I don't know if I'm even capable of it, honestly. It's hard to articulate sometimes. Yeah, um, the different performances, one of them in particular brought out a sense of need to explore further. Um, the fact that uh, there are experiences that I'll never fully understand and yet still working to learn about them and respect them for what they are rather than what I would want to imagine them to be is something really important. Yeah, yeah and it's like something that's significant um, in probably your past that you don't directly have knowledge of. Yeah, absolutely. It's always a comp yeah, it's always a complicated feeling because it's like I wouldn't be who I am without those things. Right. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Um, is this the first salon that you've come to? Yes, but hopefully not my last. Hello, my name is Hannah Elisa Goldman. Uh, do you want to talk about like your background or anything like that? Uh, sure, my ethnic or my professional or my... Mm. Um, great. Uh, my ethnic background, I am half Ashkenazi Jewish. Um, my family is like Chicago Jews on my mom's side and my dad's side is Moroccan Jewish. We come from the Warzazat region of Morocco. Um, and my professional background is I'm a producer, writer, and performer. I was in art school for like eight years for theater. Um, and in the past couple years have been 
doing cultural organizing with the Mizrahi community and really delving into my Moroccan heritage as something that I want to explore and um, nurture in my life and in my art. Awesome. Can you give some examples of how you've been doing that? Sure. So. Um, it was kind of a crazy 2019. I started off the year as in a theater piece called Jewish Women Project, uh, Between the Threads was the official name. And it was five Jewish women of various backgrounds and we basically told our stories in this theater piece. Um, and I started to tell the story of my grandmother, my Moroccan grandmother, Aisha. And, um, that work has continued. In October, I did a workshop production here in this theater called In the Kitchen. It's a project that's been in, de in development for um, a year and a half, and we're still developing it. And the Ma'am Wool piece you saw earlier is kind of like part of what's cooking in that piece. So In the Kitchen is a project where I interview Jewish women with heritage in Arab lands and we talk about our cultural heritage, our matriarchs, the legacy um, of being in the kitchen and the rich food that we cook up, the limits of being in the kitchen and also the joy and celebration in the food that we make. Um, so it was similar in that I had a performance and I made food on stage and then everyone got to eat it and talk to each other. So that project is very much in development in my heart and very much a way to connect to my Moroccanness. Very interactive art. Yes. <laughs> Getting to eat. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, I love that. Um, yes. And can you talk about your experience curating this? Like, how, how did, yeah, how are you feeling? <laughs> how are you feeling afterwards? Oh, it was such a dream. Yeah. I'm still in producer mode of like my head's running on a million miles an hour. Sure. But um, it, yeah. was, it was just a dream. Um, it was so special to be asked to curate this, um, to highlight Jewish artists from the region, from Hilal, who is such a powerhouse in the community. Um, I think, you know, it's seldom enough that Mizrahi Jews get together and express who we are with each other, but I think there's, you know, some fear and trepidation of will the community of other folks from the region be accepting and nurturing and um, listen to our stories will we be able to participate in a genuine cultural exchange where no one is being fetishized and um, politics aren't destroying our, our, each other <laughs> yeah. um, but instead is like a ground from which to to build and talk and and tonight felt very special very affirming I'm honored to have played a part in creating that kind of space it's really special to be here. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for inviting us, like all of us that you brought together. It really meant a lot to see your work and get to know you. Thank you. And yeah. your podcast is awesome. I can't wait to Thank you. hear it. Yeah. I think this one will come out February 28th. So Perfect. I'll keep you updated. Look forward to hey. Do you want to talk on the Sure, podcast? I'm happy to. Yeah. Can you introduce yourself? Hi. This is the other curator, by the way. Hi, I'm Sivan Batat, and I'm the other curator of the salon. In one of your piece, well, in your piece, you talked about like your background. Do you want to just summarize like your background, like whatever you want to share? Yeah, sure. I shared a, a storytelling audio piece about my grandmother and sort of my ancestry and the fragmentation that comes with 
these histories and the sort of like loss of knowledge and loss of language and loss of memory that comes from uh, language changing every generation. So I talked about my grandmother who is from Baghdad and um, sort of her history with the Arabic language and her work as a radio host and shared some excerpts of interviews I've been doing and some audio of different people I've spoken to over the years. Thank you. Yeah, it was a lot more letting us in to that. Like, I know it's really personal. Thank you. Yeah, it was. It ended up being a lot more vulnerable than I expected. Yeah. Um, And just like I feel very, I felt very safe and held by the space, and um, grateful for such warmth. These salons are just yeah indescribable that way yeah i always feel that yeah Yeah. so special yeah um and how are you feeling after curating this like after after the event's over like how are you feeling it feels so good to be in a position where i can give people a space to share like what a huge gift to be the person who gets to make space oh like right i really feel so grateful for the love that was shared and the art that was shared and how meaningful it was for some of the people who shared to share work and for folks walking away and I'm like walking away with 10 new phone numbers in my phone of people that I really want to talk to about this or that or this artistic connection or that collaboration and um, I just feel really warm you know I think like coming to my own identity as a queer Arab person has been so messy and so difficult and like relatable yeah and just like really charged and Um, I think having a space of people who many of whom identify that way too is like something a younger version of me could have never dreamed ever imagined and it's really transformative uh, personally artistically in all the ways that a thing could be transformative it is so I'm grateful I feel like that's why I mean at least for the I can speak to the podcast like that's why we started it because it's like the younger versions of ourselves needed it so badly yeah and we were, you know, it was just kind of a response to that. Like, yeah. okay, now we have some control. We can, yeah, we yeah. can do that, even if it's later than maybe it was ideal yeah. to have this. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for making it. Thank, thank you. you for being here and thank sharing our space with us. Yeah. Like, for I mean, I know. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of work. Um, yeah, I'm so, glad. I'm so glad we did it, and I'm so glad we were able to share this. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed. I really think these salons are, these salon episodes are so special to me. And I hope that you, even just hearing the audio, um, can feel how powerful and meaningful these events are. And look out for future salon episodes. Please check out thequeerarabs.com to see more information about the artists that you heard from on this episode. And if you want to contact us about anything, please write us at thequeerarabs at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Queer Arabs. Also, um, if you go to thequeerarabs.com and click on the button at the top to donate to our Ko-fi page, that'll help keep this podcast going. We've been going almost two years and have invested in this podcast financially, and we're hoping to help recoup um, some of the costs and also to eventually be able to compensate guest co-hosts, for example, to compensate co-hosts for editing and tech hours. Just know that your donation, however much you, you have the capacity to give, will be put to very good use. Thank you all so much.
Thank you.